Hey guys, brand new podcast. Uh, let's real quick go through tour dates. Why wouldn't I have that up? I should have that up on my computer screen right now. What I should do is start this read all over again and be like, you know, but I'm not because I'm a professional. Um, tour dates. I'm in stand up live August 11th through 13th. Oddball, 25, 26, 27. That's West Palm, Tampa, and Atlanta, respectively. Toledo Funny Bone, September 9th, 10th, and 11th. Uh, Oddball again on the 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th, I think. I'm not certain. Then I'm on the call-in sick-to-work show. Tampa, Florida, on September 23rd. I think my friends will be there. Uh, namely, Galvin uh, Cowhead and uh, Ralphie at the Tampa Improv. I don't know what voice I'm doing. And then I'm gone, gone. Oh, by the way, on the 20th is at Red Rocks. That's where that oddball show is. That just reminded me. On the 24th through the tw- 1st, I'll be on the Cowhead Cruise. Philadelphia Helium, October 6th, 7th, and 8th. 13th, 14th, 15th of October, Comics Comedy Club in New York in Mohegan Sun, rather. Uh, the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, I'm in Gotham Comedy Club in New York City, Dayton Funny Bone, Baltimore Economy Factory, Tampa Improv, Morty's, Fort Lauderdale, and then let's just start a brand new year. Uh, my hour special will be premiering on Showtime. I don't have a date yet, um, but it, I think it's, it's going to be in October. Uh, and that's it. That's it for my tour dates. Uh, Birth Conqueror on Tuesdays on Travel Channel. We're bouncing around the schedule, so uh, just find it. Just put it in your DVR. Make sure it's up on that list because I have mine in the DVR and I, I couldn't find it. But uh, they're really good episodes. There's a there's a clip of me uh, doing a haunted house. It's pretty funny. It's online. Uh, I'll pin it on my. I'm gonna pin it on my Twitter right now so you can find it. All right, that's it. That's it. New podcast. Let's talk who it is. Uh, Today's guest is a friend of mine for as long as I've been in comedy. He was one of the first guys that was cool as shit to me. Uh, I, I consider him a, a friend first. I've called him about advice numerous times. And, you know, when you start comedy, there are guys that are, you know, maybe only above you in a year, but they were at the club the day you first showed up. So you're kind of like, oh, they got it all dialed in. And this is a guy who's had it dialed in. I think he's just dialed in. He just knows what he wants out of life. He's just very, I don't know. I love the guy to death. I really do. And he's out here doing uh, the Critic Choice Awards or something. And uh, he call, I, t- I called him immediately and I was like, hey, let's podcast. He's like, let's go have a cigar. So I drove over the hill. I drove to uh, the V-Cut, which is right next to the Improv. And uh, we had a cigar and we had a chat. And it's great. I'm going to say, and I I just say this, probably the most engaged I've been in a conversation in a very long time. I, I could listen to this guy talk forever. Uh, you know him from the Opie and Anthony show. You like how I'm saving his name for last, even though you still know who it is, because I'm a fucking professional. Um, you know him from the Opie and Anthony show, from Tough Crowd, from Torgasm, from Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll with Dennis Leary on FX. That, check it out. Make sure to be uh, to watch that show. Ladies and gentlemen, stand-up comedian and friend, Bobby Kelly. This is I'm going to start recording. Hello. Yeah, this is Bert Kreischer. I'm sitting here with Bobby Kelly. We're at the V-Cut right next to the Improv in Melrose. Bobby just changed the fucking game for me and introduced me to this camera. What's the name of this fucking camera? It's called a... 
Amivo, like a TiVo. And he uses it on his Facebook Live, and it is fucking badass. One of my favorite things in the world is cigars. That's one of the things I hid from it as a kid. Bobby went to go get a new cigar. I'm going to check the audio levels while he does that. I hid from it as a kid. We grew up smoking cigars in Tampa. But now as an adult, I absolutely fucking love it. Tommy Jonigan comes by. If Tommy Jonigan comes by, we'll hop him on the podcast too. I love this cigar. I smoke this all the time. Which one? This one. Are you serious? I know the fuck. The, I'm going to hook you up with a guy. Yeah? Here, grab the mic. Who's, um... My, one of my good friends is the rep for Tatuaje. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's what and he said. my father is the same... That's the same yeah. people? Yeah. Uh, Jaime Garcia is my favorite cigar. You're talking about yeah, this mic. Is Tatuaje right here. Testing yeah. one, two, three. Perfect. Testing one, two, three. Um, yeah. Jaime Garcia is my favorite cigar. That's the one... Um, I ended up buying a box of those in wherever the fuck I was. I'm getting one of those Mevos. That thing's fucking insane, Bobby. This is it right here. This is all I have to bring on the road with me. This. Oh, this is mine right here. Yeah. So, so this is. I'll tell you my. Let me give me show you my rig real quick. So. I'm gonna. I just tried to smoke this. I literally went like this. (laughs) I got. Canon G7X, that's for my vlog. Right. I got two GoPros. I got a mic for my cell phone. Yeah. And then I got this and the, this case, this top right here. What and that's you, everything. You, yeah. And then, I, I use this, this. Your and cell phone and your iPad. That's too. the iPad Pro, you can right? I do auditions with these. How fucking great is that? Are you auditioning? Yeah. I still have, just guest starring. Yeah. Really? Yeah, this is... Are we on the air? Yeah, yeah, we're on the air. Talking oh, we're on the air. Yeah. Okay, all right. Sorry, dude. Um, First of all, I'm going to give you this. This is uh, from my friend at uh, Tatuaje. Okay. This is the. This is this. why this opener is good. Is because, you know, you. how far do I cut down? It only lets you cut down yeah. the exact amount you're supposed to. I've always been so bad at that. You. Well, the problem is the, the, uh, the Jaime Garcia is that pre-cut one. You know yeah. the one? Yeah. I like to cut into that still. Really? Yeah, because I don't like... I like a... I like a I like a real smooth draw. That's one of my two things. Two of my favorite things about a cigar is a big ring gauge and a smooth draw. Mm. And then, after all that, I like it strong. I just got into strong. I just moved up to Tatuajes and these big chocolate fucking disasters. Really? Yeah, I was smoking the first out of Monte Cristo. Yeah, because it's smooth as I, you know. Just then I went to Perdoma, which is just creamy. Yeah, but then my palate just kept getting. I went to uh, my father's, which is spicy. Now I'm onto these. I like the my father's. I'm onto these too. I these didn't think are, I'd like them because the ring gauge is small, mm. but it's a good morning coffee cigar. Mm. This is actually this is a beast. I like this cigar yeah. a lot. Yeah. What um? What, how no? How long has it been since you smoked a cigarette? Five years. Really? Yeah, I don't fuck with cigarettes no more. But how many cigars are you going through? I smoke week? 17 cigars a day. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know. I, you know, it depends. I'll go three or, four, three or four days without smoking one. Yeah. And then I'll smoke one every day for a couple of weeks. And sometimes a couple of days. It depends on where I'm at or what I'm doing. You know, I make sure I brush my teeth. I make sure I clean my mouth out. Is that I have the thing gum. about mouth cancer is brushing Ma- your teeth. No, no. You- <laughs> no, because someone told me they go. You know, my dad's been chewing tobacco his whole life, but he brushes his teeth right afterwards. I think it helps. I don't yeah. think you keep leaving that tobacco in your mouth, and yeah. you know what I mean. Um, I think 
I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But I, I look, I talked to a doctor when I started smoking cigars again. I go, look, you know, I'm fucking losing my mind. Yeah. Okay? I don't do drugs. I don't drink. I'm not banging hookers or chicks anymore, squares. I'm married. I got a kid. I, you know, food is my fucking, it's just, it's a nightmare for me right now. And I, I started smoking cigars. Paul Verzi. Yeah. Is that, he's the one who got Verzi's me back home. on. Two, two years ago, his birthday party, his backyard, he fucking handed out, you know, primo bats around a fire pit with like 10 guys. Yeah. And I just, I smoked it down to my fingertips. And now, to cut to now, yeah. I'm a member of a cigar club near my house. Yeah, I see you at the, I see you at your cigar. Where are you living now? Are you living in West the city Chester. still? No, fuck the city. I'm out. You're out of the city. Dude, fuck the city. Like house and stuff? Dude, the night I came home with my son, Max, yeah. I was outside, exhausted. You know, having, it's just yeah. your life fucking changes the second you come home with that kid. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. I, I came home with that kid. I had my two dogs out walking him at 2 in the morning. A homeless guy kicks my, one of my dogs because he was a little in the sidewalk. I was kicked it. I fucking lost my mind. Yeah. Lost my mind. Nose to nose with this fucking guy. Shirtless, fucking ripped jeans, nose to fucking nose. You mother. And it just we kept raising the stakes. Fuck you. No, fuck you. Watch your dog. You fucking. And then he goes, fuck. I go, I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. He goes, you're going to fuck. And I raised it up to the point where I'm going to fucking. And he went, you don't like black people. I went, what? <laughs> I was like, what? He goes, you don't like black people, mother. You're racist. I was like, no, no, no. I got. I know, I know Kevin Hart. Yeah. I know Keith Robinson. Artie Fuqua is a friend of mine. I know Tracy Morgan. I started rattling off. <laughs> and then uh, my superintendent, who is this fucking Russian woman. Yeah. Just, you know, Bubby, you know, she's just strong as shit. I felt somebody grab my shoulder. And I went, ah, and she pinched my shoulder. She goes, you have baby now. You don't do this stupid stuff. Yeah. You go home now. And she walked me to my house by my shoulder. Yeah. I was just like, okay, okay, okay. And I went in. I go, I told my wife, we're, we're gone. We're gone. Really? Dude, my toys are us. My babies are us. It was Times Square. Isn't that crazy? Dude, I had to fucking walk through the world. To go to fucking get formula and diapers and horse shit for the kid. I was like, fuck this. I called DC Benny. Remember DC Benny? I know DC, of course. Fucking hilarious guy. He was just on Last Comic Standing the, like last year, right? Last year. Yeah. He went and got his real estate license. He's selling high-end real estate in Brooklyn. Really? Yeah, he's just a smart oh, guy. He's destroying it, too. He's just so cool. Like, yeah. And I called him up. I go, how long... What's the minimum amount of time I could sell this house and get another house up in Westchester? Because I wasn't moving to Jersey, and I'm not going to Long Island. I'm not taking a tunnel or yeah. a bridge. Westchester straight up the highway, West Side Highway. Okay. And he said six months. You're, I had to sell, rent, and then buy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And six months almost to the day, I walked into my house. Backyard. Really? Dude, I got a fucking vegetable garden. I got a hammock. A next-door neighbor, Dolores, old Italian-Irish lady. She's got a pool. I didn't have to fucking put a pool in. Nothing. Front, I, got a, I got a tree swing on the front lawn. 30 minutes out of the city. Really? 30 minutes. Dude, I hit, the, I hit the sawmill. 30 minutes, I'm at 79th Street Boat Basin. 
and I'm and I go home at night, pull in my long fucking driveway, get out of my car. I have barbecues every night. The other night we were in a, I got a tent. At movie night, I got a projector in the backyard watching movies. It's great. Love this. I go to the city every day. Yeah, love it. But fuck you, I go home, especially with a kid. So, do you, are you going into the city? Like, are you going to the, you're going to the city? How often do you do your podcast? I do my podcast once once a week or twice a week. Twice a but week. my studio is above the comedy cell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I've seen I've seen every bunch of people are doing their podcasts out of there. Kevin Brennan and uh... <laughs> Misery Loves Company. By the way. And I, I'm not, I, I, Soon I'll, to be just misery. <laughs> I'll tell you this, Kevin Brennan, and I, I know Kevin. I don't know him very well, mm-hmm. but I've no, he was the first person I met in comedy. I know Neil, yeah. and uh, Kevin Brennan has what he listening to him lately has been extremely interesting. It's been <laughs> really that's, like that's just, a good, uh, it's almost like a, it's a little. It reminds me a tad bit of Patrice. And I know him and Patrice weren't friends, but it's like a, it's a very honest fucking shakedown of whatever he's feeling. Yeah. And if I, I feel there's some things you I, I, look at, you know, everybody's like, you got to be honest, man. You got to fucking be you and be real. You do. Yeah. But you have to be willing to suffer the consequences of that. Yeah. And even you bring up Patrice. There was a point even at, in his career where he was like, oh, shit. You know, you you have to be likable. Oh, it's, you, you, someone said the other day, I don't know where I heard this. I, you know, it's so funny. I, I don't know how to put this. I'd say this to you. I wouldn't say this to a lot of people. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite things to do ever when I'm on the road is to download old Opie and, old Opie and Anthony's when it was all you guys in the room yeah. and listen. And, it, and, I, and I listen as a, as a friend because I knew all you guys, yeah. but I really do listen as a fan. And that sounds crazy. As a professional comedian yeah. who's been doing it 17 years, I listen as a – like just – Enjoyable, yeah. But one of the things someone said the other day was that they're like, it's so funny how many people celebrate the fact that Patrice didn't like them. <laughs> like you know, like so many people are like, oh yeah, Patrice shit on me one time. Yeah. And it's 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 so interesting because, because you're, you're so right. likable. You're so right about that. Is that I think in passing, a lot of people that didn't like Patrice now yeah. celebrate him. But you're right. He was one of those people that really kind of cut the cloth right down the middle and told you where he stood. Yeah, he was... Um, and didn't give a fuck. No. I remember when he lived with my friend Al Del Benny. Yeah. He would go into Al's room. I slept over one night. He went into Al's room and he was like, Yo, Al, you should, you should quit comedy, dude. And Al was laugh. He's like, ha, no, no. He's like, no, really, dude. You should yeah. just get out of the business because <laughs> I know you're trying to. You want, you want to make it. You want to be, you know, but you, it's not going to happen, dude. And Al would be laughing and producer would be like, no, no, I'm serious, dude. I'm not even, I know you're laughing, but I'm, I'm telling you, for like whatever your family in the future, you should just go, you know, leave New York. You shouldn't do this. You should really quit. I know you think I'm kidding, but I'm dead serious. Yeah. And I would be like, fucking, I, I was like, are you a fucking, what's wrong with you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like are you? But he's like, ah, I just think you should quit the business. I think he's, I, don't, yeah. I like Al. He goes, I like Al. I don't want to see him fucking get hurt. But yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, but Patrice was likable, man. He was very. He had, he had he had something around him that, yeah, he could tell you to go fuck yourself, or he could fuck with you, but he also knew when to say sorry. <coughs> one of my favorite. He knew when he fucked up. Yes, one of my favorite. Um, I, and I've t- probably told this story a million times. But one of my favorite Patrice stories is when we all went to Scotland together. Me, me, boss, him, and Ben Bailey and Louis Schaefer. Oh my god. And at the very end, I said, you know, I'm glad 
we got to hang out and become friends. And he was like, we're not friends. He was like, we work together. Yeah. He's like, if we, if we were in an office, you wouldn't call me your friend. You just go, oh, yeah. he's the guy I talk to at lunch. Yeah. And I was like, and, and you know, Patrice, he's like, oh, don't get your feelings hurt. I, come on. He's like, would you pick me up at the airport? I'm like, no. Nah. Yeah. And he's like, that's a friend. And then that's funny. cut to, do you remember he did a, he did a Showtime taping with yeah. Gary Goldman? Yeah. Um, Gary Goldman. It was a competition. Yeah, it was like, and they all did it out of the Brea Improv. Drew Carey's yeah. manager. What's his name? Uh, guy had a wiffle ball, yeah, wiffle ball uh, like thing in his backyard, an actual baseball field for wiffle ball. Yeah, what was and his name? I think uh, was it McDonald or no, I don't know. And so it's weird. He was the biggest manager in the world. And now we're like, huh? I remember meeting one of his assistants, and she said his name, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. But um, Patrice had his taping. Me, Brian Scolaro, and then a bunch of my friends drove out to watch Patrice and Gary. Yeah. Mostly Patrice. I mean, I, I was really good friends with Gary as well. Yeah. But I was really, like, Patrice was one of my favorite people to watch. We show up. I see Patrice. I tell him, you know, we came out to watch you. We go out back to the hotel he was staying at yeah. after the show. And he sits down next to me. He goes, you really brought all these people to come out and see me? I was like, Patrice, I think you're hilarious. Yeah. And he was sitting there, like, looking. You know, Patrice sitting back. You could tell he's doing the math in his head. He's like, yeah. all right, I guess we're friends. At the very end, and I was like, I thought that was like... Well, it's funny you tell that story. I, at his funeral, the, at the same time, I, you know, I had to pick him up at the airport. I was in that competition, and I bailed. I got douched out the first round. Yeah. And I remember I had to pick him up at the airport because he made it to the final rounds. And then he, he made it to the taping. He got it. He won. And I remember I had to pick him up at the airport, and he stayed at my house. Um, and I had a, he was having me drive him in and pick him up. To and the I, same competition you were in. Well, I was, yeah. And I remember he, I, he, he goes, yo, you're going to drop me off. And I remember I, you know, I, couldn't, like, I couldn't even go into the – I was dropping him off at the Laugh Factory to run his set, and I had to, like, leave. And then – I'm a comic. I got my ego. Yeah. So I remember I came out. I go, dude, I'm not your fucking chauffeur. Yeah. You fucking. I'm not your fucking. I got to pick you up and draw. He goes, yeah, you're not. You're my friend, you fucking idiot. Yeah. That's your responsibility to me as my friend to pick me the fuck up and drop me the fuck off when I need you. Yeah. And I need you. And you, that's what you do. I'm sorry you didn't fucking make it. I did. And I need you. And I was like. <laughs> I mean, what? I, I was like. Sense. I was like. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm fucking. I you need me, so I'm here. So I remember I'd pick him up and drop him off, and and I remember he got so fucking mad. He came to him back one night, and he was. It was the only time I ever saw him emotional, like not not the only time, but one of the times. And he, the sound was fucked up on those tapings because they ta- they did the sound for the recording, not for the performance. Yeah. So you couldn't hear yourself. There was no monitors or anything. It wasn't loud enough. And they were like, no, it's loud enough. We got it. We got And he was like, he flipped out. He's like, I don't give a fuck if it's loud enough for you. It's not loud enough for me. It's fucking up my performance. Everybody's bombing because we can't fucking hear ourselves. And he became, he did that thing where everybody was like, what the fuck, this guy. Yeah. Well, you should be grateful. You should be, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he was like, fuck you. And it was a problem. With these people. Yeah. And his, and his management called, hey, dude, can you? And he was like, no. Why aren't you on my side? You should be fucking. And I remember he was like, Bobby, I can't. 
I know I'm supposed to just shut my mouth. I know I'm supposed to just do what everybody else is doing and just and and and, and it will be fine when it airs. But yeah. I care about fucking. I care about my performance. I care about what the fuck I'm doing. I care about the people that are watching me right there. And it, what am I supposed to do? Not give a fuck and just let them fuck me? I goes. I don't know. It goes, Bobby. I don't want people not to like me, and I don't want to. But I can't fucking accept this shit. Well, it's it, especially someone sound would change his energy so much. Well, they changed the sound. Everybody killed, and he was right. Yeah. And then everybody was like, "Oh, you were right." And but you had to go through and break a bunch of doors that someone's going to have to sweep up. And well, it makes you ask yourself as a comedian: Would I have said something, or would I have just done whatever and just took the hit? Yeah. And just been like, oh, okay. You know, it makes you wonder. Like, oh, I've always taken the hit. Until this until this <laughs> year, I've always taken the hit. Really? Oh, yeah. If Why? Says, oh, because it's one of my flaws. Like, if, if I'm doing a taping and I go, you know, the audience seems a little bright. They're like, oh, it's going to look better. It, it'll be better in the... When you get up there, it's not going to be as bright. And then you get up there and it's like, it's just as fucking bright. And then this year, I got, I got real... Like I not I think working for Travel Channel taught me to is going to be the wrong phrase, but become a problem to to just say I'm not doing it your way, I'll do it my way. Right. Like I had a I had an executive named Stone Roberts who told me I one love, time he was I love like, you naming names. Dude, he was the best. This guy was the best. Right. I'll rat about now, but like he would come on set and bring a flask, like just the fucking kind of guy yeah. I love, and uh, <laughs> and he would. Uh, I remember one time we were doing a taping, I think, in Australia. And he's like, don't ever forget, this is your crew. They're not, you're not their host. This is your crew. Right. So if you want to do something, you do it. They'll find you. Right. And I, and I said, okay. And I said, yeah, but I, I can't convince them to do it. And he goes, become a problem. He's like, be a problem so that they are forced to accommodate you. He goes, do you think Anthony Bourdain like, sits around and says, you know, hey, where do you guys need me? He goes, no, he yeah. shows up and he does his thing and that's why we enjoy watching him. He goes, I've been on a set, I know how it works. So right. when you go in, he's like, be respectful of the fact that the cameras need light, that you can't be backlit, all the functional shit. But as far as the energy goes, this is your crew. And I went, oh. And I really kind of took charge of that show Trip Flip after season one. And it's the reason we went to season four. Right. And, and, but, and so when I did my hour taping, I remember I, I reached out to Rogan about something. And he was like, the one thing I didn't like was how it was lit. I, mean, I don't want to put words in Joe's mouth, but right. Joe said to me, one thing I didn't like, so be careful of that. And so I went, I called a DP, I said, what cameras do I need? He was like, C300. So I called my director, I said, I want to use C300s. And he was like, well, I mean, if that's what you want. And so I, I forced them to use the cameras I wanted, yeah. I forced the place I wanted. But well, I, what it does when you do that, it forces you to do the work too. Yeah, because it forces all on your plate. you. It forces you to go and find out what cameras to use, why, what lighting you want, how do you get that? Talking to people, it forces you to be curious, and then you have to do the actual work, which a lot of people are content not doing. And a lot of people like to hold it over our heads in this business. That go, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. But the way technology is this day, these days, like I can only guess how many downloads you get a podcast, yeah. but I can guarantee you are getting on your podcast what the average basic cable TV show gets yeah. per rating. I, yeah. I'm almost certain of that. I'm, right. And so you, when someone says to you, you know, hey, do you want to do this, you know, travel channel or food network show and yeah. it's going to be done this way, in your head you're thinking, I've already got those. I don't need, like, like I know, I, I know what I'm doing is right. right. I'm, I'm doing it. It's not just stand-up anymore. 
You, how long have you had your podcast? Four or five years. Four or five years. Yeah. Consistently one of the best podcasts on, on, on yeah. iTunes. Yeah. And it's... Well, everybody told me, you know, the one advice that I got was Billy Burr said, make it yours. Everybody yeah. wants to have, you know, you and three other dudes and, and that fucks things up because they're going to leave or they're going to... It's always going to fuck up. So yeah. I made it mine. But the other thing is, everybody was like, no, there's too many people. I know that's my show. Yeah. If you want an interview show, there's there's other go listen to an interview show. I get it. Yeah. I understand it. But my show is fucking. I there's I don't I don't have segments. I don't have topics. I love those shows. I love a lot of those shows like that. Mine is really just what comics do. Yours is the yours is the kind of the table it's a, at, the, it's, at the cellar. It's, it's a comic hang. It's. I, don't, I always bring a new comic on. I have old comics with headliners and middlers and open micers. I, always, I mix it up, and it's, okay, what's up? And we go, and I, and I let it go wherever the fuck it goes. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, I can't fucking listen to it. And, you know, dude, you were eating on the – shut the fuck – goodbye. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know. I get it. That's why there's another show for you yeah. that's done in the studio. And so you were uh, – I get it. I and love that. we're back. I, I get it, but that's not my show. And if I – what's happening now is that it's kind of turning the other way where people went to those and didn't – you know, mine was kind of st- here. But all of a sudden now people are finding mine and starting to enjoy it. And, of course, I've cleaned it up a little bit. Yeah. You know, people don't talk over as much, but it still is a fucked up show. It's a fun show to host. But it's, yeah, it is. You hosted it. I host, co-hosted – or I hosted it one time. I know, yeah. And it was – Man, it was a, it was a little bit of a beast. Like I was like, it's hard to wrangle. I was like, wow, you got to be, you got to be, because you're talking. I don't care if they're open micers or headliners. Comics are alpha males. Women too. They're alpha women, and you got to know how to corral them. You got to know when to let them go. You got to know when to. Sometimes you'll stop talking. People stop talking, yeah. and then you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, you know. And you got to know when they're talking, let them go. And when something happens, let it happen. It is a, it's a beast to, to control. It's not, it's not just one or two people. It's four to fucking eight people. It was, you know what? It made me um, appreciate. And I, and I always feel very skeptical to ever talk about Opie and Anthony or, um, or even Opie now or Anthony now. Because everyone, I feel like everyone was forced to pick sides or everyone did. And, yeah. and, I, and, and it just kind of, kind of, is this the black guy you argued with? What's that? Is this oh. the black guy you met the day after you brought your son home? That, yeah, it's very similar. <laughs> Yeah, that was a yeah, similar shit. Just a crazy fucking homeless guy with shorts. Kick my dog. That might one, be him. It looks like him. Um, but one of the things, and you don't have to. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not asking for anyone's opinion on anyone today yeah, yeah. or anyone's friendships. But one of the things, as a fan, I realized once I started a podcast yeah. and once Opie and Anthony split yeah. was how good Opie was. Like, how good Opie was in those times that you guys would all hang. Yeah. How he was kind of orchestrating. He was kind of allowing moments to breathe and, and weaving them in and out. Because I would listen. I mean, I was, at the time, I remember talking to you on the phone about this. I wanted to be on that show so bad. Yeah. And I would be driving from Sacramento, making 900 bucks a month, month or yeah. a week at Laughs Unlimited, <laughs> and driving and listening to you guys all in that room. And it was, I mean, it was, it was, it, it was better than Tough Crowd. And Tough Crowd was my favorite show ever. Yeah. But, like, those moments were really fucking gold. Well, it, yeah, he did do it. I mean, here's the thing. Those three together, oh, it, was, it was a perfect combination of those three. 
Um, yeah, there was nothing like being because Norton and, and Anthony are the fastest motherfuckers out there, dude. But Opie did know how to keep the show moving, let it go. You know, you know what I mean. Pick, pick scabs to open them. Yeah, he know he knew how to he knew how to do that, and it sucks. Look, I didn't pick sides. I refuse. I to, didn't pick sides. I refuse to fucking because I love Anthony. I love Jimmy. I love Opie. Yeah, and I'll, I do. I don't give a fuck. I, I didn't. You know. Yeah, and you know. Even when they did that shit against other radio shows, I never picked sides on either because some of those shows I really like. Yeah. And I do them. And it's like, that, you know, I never felt pressure to be that fucking asshole. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it does suck. You know, I, I wish I, it would never happen. They can't go back together now because they're successful solo. Yeah. And everything comes to an end. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was, it was a crazy time. I think right now... Like with the roast battles and the way comedy is right now, I think Tough Crowd could come back. Oh, Imagine Tough oh. Crowd on right now. Dude. Do you know how fucking crazy? Do you know how it would be the number one show on Comedy Central? If you, if you, if you can put Tough Crowd back on the air, the way, because it is, Tough Crowd basically is what everyone's doing now. They're creating comedy shows that are what comics naturally do. Yeah. It's, you know, RA storytelling. That's what we all do. We all sit around and tell yep. stories. Um, Podcasting, podcasting, yeah, it's all yeah. very natural. Tough crowd was, tough crowd was the greatest show that I feel never got the respect it deserved. Well, because it was right at the beginning of political correctness. Yeah, you understand? It was right at that beginning of, and you you know, you know, Collins a conservative, Comedy Central's left wing. You know, The Daily Show was left. Yeah, The Daily Show was. I mean, man, that that, that show was. The show I mean that was their Fucking holy grail The daily show So you got this Kind of mishmash This fucking crazy You know Never know what anybody's Gonna say Racial I mean just crazy shit You have The daily show And then behind it You have the Chappelle show Which dealt with race But it dealt with race Through Black people You know Brown people Asian people And then you know Against white people Kind of you know like Exposing us for all the bullshit that we did That was hilarious Yeah And Dave Chappelle's show was massive Then you had this thing in the middle That they were like Hey, what the fuck And it was so fucked up So scary for them It's like, what can you do? But now Especially with like roast battles Yeah And the way I mean, the shit that's said on there I think the show I I had dinner with Quinn last night And I was like, dude I mean, think about it Where is Tough Crowd? Every other show on Comedy Central you can go and get. Yeah. You can buy. Where's Tough Crowd? Two years. All those episodes. They buried it. They fucking hit Why it. Why would they do that? I don't know. I don't fucking know. Something. Do you think Colin would do it again? Fuck yes. You think so? Absolutely. Okay, I want to ask I know you, so. I want to ask you this because I feel like I feel like you I always said you are the example of people go, you know, when you started in comic, who are the guys right ahead of you? Yeah. I feel like you guys were juniors. You, Pete Corielli. Jimmy, yeah. um, I think Jimmy Burr and Patrice. You? No, I think they they were ahead of me. No, 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 no. In my eyes. Oh, okay. In, in, in reality, all... I was kind of with Corielli and and Bailey and uh, I think you too. You know what I mean? I no, think... no, no. I was I was working the fucking door. I was okay, all right. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> I remember Don L going, "Watch my car," and I was like, "Fuck, what do I do?" <laughs> um, uh, but what was it like? What was it like working on Tough Crowd? I can say this to you now because I think you, I think that you can maybe understand it, and if you don't, then I'll try, I'll try to ex- ex- 
re-explain my opinion. Yeah. But ego-wise, because you're with a bunch of your equals, but I'm sure some people were like getting yeah. had writing jobs, and I feel like well, you it's would tough for me because, like I said, I, they didn't want me on the show. Really? He, oh, he had to fight for me to be on the show. He had to fight for me. I remember he fought for me to do a writing submissions. Um, he had to fight for me to be me on the show. They didn't want me even on the show. Whoever, the way, for, whoever for that person was, oh, didn't want me. The way for anyone listening, the way comedy works is they look at Colin and they go, "That's great. We love the people. We but we'd really love. I'm going to say a name, and I, I like this guy, but Hugh Fink to show run it." And Colin may go, well, he doesn't really hang out at the cellar. And they go, I know, but he's a proven writer, and he'll be great for the show. Okay, we'll love Hugh Fink. Well, we'd also love three of these other alternative comics to be writing for the show. And then if you do that, we'll give you Geraldo and Patrice. Or we'll give you Geraldo. Well, Geraldo is one of – I mean, Geraldo is one that they – like, he's you – know, He's, yeah. They lo- I mean, everybody loved Geraldo. They loved Geraldo. Patrice, Norton, Keith, and Voss were Colin's – Regulars, yeah. Um, and then there was guys like me that I wasn't a regular, but he would fight to get me on. But I, I, I don't, I don't think they were odd. I don't think they were too off base to to be like, you know what I mean? I don't think I was as good as Norton at writing. I don't think I was as fucking good as Patrice at just being in the moment. You know what I mean? Really? I was, yeah, man. I was. I came to New York a year later than everybody else, year and a half. Um, I don't think they were too far off with like we don't want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, my ego was like fuck you. Yeah. And Colin was the best, and he would fight for me to be on. But it was um, there was definitely people like nah, 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 nah. You can't, you can't. He's not a regular. You know, what even was when they did the tour, I wasn't a part of the tour. Really? No, I wasn't a regular, dude. I wasn't one of the guys. Um, the skits, I never was really a part of a skit. Norton yeah. and those guys were, they were the regulars. So it was, it was hard because I was at the table with those guys for years. Yeah. And every night I'd be there with them and I just wasn't a part of it, you know? So it was, it was a little tough, but I don't think they were far off, dude. I don't think it was, I mean, you know, I think now I'd be able to do it because I know how to get a topic and write stuff and spend the day writing jokes about it. Yeah. You know, I've I've done that work. I've, I know how to. Okay, I've done Red Eye. I've done so many of those shows. Like, here's this. Okay, go write jokes, and then know what's funny, know what's not, and cut the fat off. And I know how to deliver it, and blah blah blah. Yeah. Back then, I was just you know going on pure me, my personality, and that fucking you know just me being funny. Which like, okay, I'll give you an example. The roast battle battle that just happened. Yeah. Uh, Ralphie May. And Mike Lawrence. They asked me to do it. And I said no. Because I didn't have the time. Because I know what goes into that. I know what I would have had to do yeah. to not fucking get smashed. And it would have been dedicating a week of writing. And really waking up, writing fucking fuck you jokes about... And I talked to Mike Lawrence. I had him on my podcast. He would go and spend an hour with each person on the phone or with them, talking to them, saying, is there anything I can't talk about? Okay, great. Um, learning about their lives, Googling, finding out every bit of information about them, 
and then going back and writing jokes on that and then cutting the fat off those jokes and then filtering them through people, then working them out. So when you go, this shit's math. It's math. Yeah. Ralphie went and wrote jokes, but Ralphie's a funny motherfucker. Yeah. He's just funny. He can sit down and be funny. And he, I think he relied on that, yeah. which I have done. Oh. I've relied on just me oh. being at the table. Me and you did that roast for Cowhead. Yeah. Yeah. That shit don't... When you're going against somebody who did the math, yeah. who did the work and all that, really, you know what I mean? Who can't maybe just sit at a table and be as funny as you or be in front of a crowd of people and just spontaneously be funny. Yeah. That spontaneous shit doesn't go over as well as somebody who like perfect example ben bailey keith robinson remember that roast was that the was that the um uh, barry katz barry katz roast yeah 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 keith robinson is one of the funniest motherfuckers walking he'll walk into any room and take over he will hold court he will smash anybody and i've thrown away clothes because of that guy yeah okay yeah ben bailey (laughs) <laughs> ben <laughs> Bailey, the biggest compliment. I've thrown away clothes because of that guy. Ben Bailey knew he was doing the roast. Went and wrote fucking roast jokes for fucking a month. Yeah, about everybody that were precise, fucking no fat, holy shit jokes. Yeah, Keith showed up and was going to wing it just because yeah. he's funny. Ben went up before him and smashed. Yeah, smashed Keith too. Oh yeah, and then Keith went up and tried to wing it. And bombed. And then at the last minute, took like a, a wrinkled up napkin out of his pocket and tried to read off of it. Yeah. And we got booed. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's like this whole fucking game has changed. Uh-huh. Where you, yeah, you can be funny. You can have that personality. You can, I, I'll sit there and we can smash each other right now and it's fun. But when there's these guys that go do the work like Mike Lawrence Jimmy Carr look at the guys winning these are guys who fucking work work and do the joke Mark Norman you know Tony Tony Hinchcliffe I'm going to kill Tony tonight are you right? yeah so these guys go and do the work where I kind of think like guys like me and you kind of go up and fucking we're just fucking funny I think like the thing that Ralphie did that he should he should have fucking I would have got on my knees and kissed his feet and just been funny. Yeah. I would be like, I lost. Fuck it. I would have took the hit. Yeah. That's the one thing people don't know how to do is take the hit. Me, I think me and you know how to take the hit. Oh, yeah. We have to. Oh, I've, dude. I've, I, I think I specialize in taking the hit sometimes. Like, I feel like that's one of the strong suits of people. You know, one of the things I Sometimes love- that can be funnier. Dude. Funnier than the – if someone slams you and you take the hit good and you can be funny in the hit. Yeah. Sometimes that's funnier. There's a girl with a high-pitched voice on the roast battle. I forget her name. She went up against Jimmy Carr. Uh, I forget her name. She, she fucking lost. Yeah. But the way she took her hit, she was just fucking... Uh, everybody loved her. She yeah. was funnier than Jimmy getting pummeled just the way she took the hit. There's a way... And I, I saw you do this on, on Tough Crowd a long time ago. And I didn't... I called it... I, I, I can't remember the joke you used. Um... But you told a joke for the sole purpose to set up everyone, right? So like you and I called it noodling them because you uh, you like you noodled them like when you noodle you stick your hand in a hole and wait for the catfish to bite it, yeah. And you noodled them, but it, now it's called trolling. Like it's like yeah. you kind of 
you, you threw out the joke, and then everyone just had a great joke after that. Yeah. And I remember you had a towel with you. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember this? I don't remember that. You had a towel with you, and you were like wiping off. But it was like I was like, no, I'm I am certain. Bobby did that so everyone could throw a joke in and I've done that before and sometimes people think like like uh, Tom Scorn and I are going through this fat shaming thing and I put a tweet out and I said it's all about me being fat and I went hey Tom be careful revenge is a dish best served cold and of course everyone's like oh of course he uses the food reference and yeah. lit me up and I go idiots yeah, they I'm don't a know. fucking comedian yeah. I did that yeah. so that I can get 106 replies on one tweet yeah. but it's you're right the the Ability to allow yourself to take the charge is so much more important than just. Yeah, you, that, that's the one thing that even when you smash these trolls back on Twitter, they're like, dude, I was just kidding. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? You just fucking said the meanest shit to me. I came back and said some shit back to you, and now you're hurt. It's like, go fuck. You got to. I mean, you know, it's. You know, I remember one time we did Tough Crowd and they said they did a. It was a gay thing. Who was the gayest? It was a gay test. Yeah. And I went in. It was me, Dane, Patrice, Colin. I love Dane. I won't say anything bad about Dane, but I know Dane would never want to come out gay. What do you mean? Like he would never. Like he would. He would take the test and go. And like if it came out that he was gay, well, I think that would bother Dane. Well, here's the thing: is that they all they all took the test, but they didn't answer honestly. Yeah. I literally I answered the questions yeah. as honest as I could. Yeah. So I came out fifty fifty eight percent gay. <laughs> and I was they told us before. They said, listen. Fifty eight percent gay. They said the only thing you can't say is faggot. You can say queer, queen, gay. Yeah. You can't say faggot. Yeah. Please and everybody's like, all right, all right, all right we get it. Don't say faggot. So 58% gay. I, they're like, ah, Bobby, you're gay. I was like, there's no way I'm fucking gay. Quinn has been fucking, <laughs> been, he was molested by a prince. He's yeah. gay. I go, Dane is fucking, are you nuts? Yeah. I go, I got photos of Dane. Dane's gay. And then I go, Patrice had his legs. I go, he's fucked. There's, he's gayer than wig. Patrice is like, don't get mad at me, faggot. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, we all just got up and left the set because yeah. we were like the only. It just built and built and built. But she was like, "Don't get mad at me, faggot." Yeah. And we just walked off the set. It's like, oh fuck. Oh. That's probably why the show got canceled because of moments like that. But I mean, take moments it. Like that are what made the show great, dude. I got called fucking fifty-eight percent gay for oh. fucking. I mean, my it was just that's what I was fifty-eight percent gay. I could have changed my screen names to fifty-eight percent gay. Yeah. Because. Because all the questions like, fuck you. I know you didn't answer these questions. But it's it's taking that hit and then like being in on it with them is sometimes the funniest thing ever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to this day, I don't I, – I think like I, – I, and I think, I think also because I started working the door, like one of the things was when you – like I never – because I was working the boss and when I go to the cellar, it would be – Two in the morning, yeah, and, it, and I would just immediately start drinking. Yeah, <laughs> um, I remember sitting outside there and watching the ball breaking outside the door of the Boston, and I never got like a, I never got like a good, good, good line, Bert. It was just, just I'd say something, just murdered, 
And yeah, I feel like but I feel sometimes like, that's funnier. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, because we, you know what I mean? Yeah. I do that once in a while, yeah. Like you said, noodling, well, you'll say something and just be like, I, Norton, I feel Norton's head turn. What did you just say? I mean, it, it's fun. It's, <laughs> it's weird, though, because there is a, you know, you used to talk about the fat stuff. I mean, I'm fat now, too, you know? We were both in shape at one point. Yeah. You know, and you were always, like, my barometer. Like, now I'm I, I'm fatter than you, which is, like, <laughs> you know, now Ralphie May is my barometer. It's, like, yeah. my barometer keeps changing of, of the guy. And I'm cool as long as I... Hey, guys, this is <laughs> so-called my 400-pound oh, life. Nothing makes me fucking angrier than seeing you shirtless and going, I'm fatter than him. <laughs> nothing makes me fucking angrier, but... You, you at... I what was it eighteen? Yeah, probably the, one of the sexiest comics working. It's weird though because you know I'm I, I've been trying to talk about this in a real in my act too because I've done fat jokes before and funny and it's all cool but now it's like like it's a like people don't understand that it's 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 the worst addiction of them all. Dude, it's the worst addiction of them all because if you're not obese, people don't care. You're just fat. Yeah. If you're not like 900 pounds, nobody really, you know what I mean? Like people don't understand why you're fat. People don't understand why you're not in shape. Yeah. You can get in shape, Bobby. People, you know, you can get in shape, but they don't understand that like, you know, what food does. Like it's the worst one. It's worse than heroin. It's worse because there's no, there's no jail sentence for it. There's no, you know, you're not crashing into a tree. Yeah. You can drink it. You can eat and drive. You can... You know what I mean? So when you're alone and you're fucking sad and you're on the road or you and you're going to go fucking eat a hamburger, you're going to eat fries or you're going to go to and you can afford it. Yeah. Now, back in the day, I couldn't afford to eat. Now I can just eat right now. I can order room service and not fucking think twice about it. Yeah. You know, and it's the worst. It's the worst one of them all, because what we do, I mean, being the ball bust as we are, being the fucking com. So now you're giving everybody the right to say, I mean, look, we just went on Facebook Live. It's fatso, fat this. I, I went to a wide shot. I said the word wide. 19 wide jokes came up. Yeah. And look, I get it. It's funny. Some of them are real funny. But it's, uh, you know, the road back. So what if we get into shape? What if we stop eating? Like, that's going to take, take a lot of effort. That's going to take a lot of time. That's going to take change in your life. But you also have to fix whatever the fucking mental inner problem I have or, or you have of why we do something we're not, we know we're not supposed to do. It's this, uh, this I've been dieting and, and trying to lose weight, and I, I, it's denying myself. It's really hard. Like, I was in Syracuse last week, and yeah. we go to this place, and I sit down, and I go, what's, uh, what's good? It's the first thing I said. And the lady goes, we're known for our chicken tenders. Oh. I haven't had chicken tenders other than, like, yeah. eating off my daughter's plate. I haven't ordered chicken tenders since college. Right. And I find myself going, well, if they're known for them, they've <laughs> got to be pretty fantastic. And then I go, you know what? Let me get a side of chicken tenders, and I'll get a turkey burger. The chicken tenders were fucking amazing. And you ate them all? I ate every single one of them. Fries with the burger? No, I got a salad, but the fries came with the chicken tenders, and I murdered those and the fucking honey mustard sauce. And I'm just going, but I'm, I find my brain. You know when the, you know when you hear you, you hear uh, Robert Downey Jr. stories, and you're like, 
Why can't he just hold it together? He, why would he go to yeah. a hotel room yeah. in Palm Springs and do heroin? Can't he just yeah. fucking go to bed? Yeah. It's, dude, I'm not with food. Yeah. I, and I get it. I'm not that way with booze. Oddly enough, that has always been what everyone assumes is my addiction. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, got, I came to a very real place and I was like, I got to stop drinking on planes. Yeah. And so I, I just said that. Like, really, I was like, I, I can't. I go, that will kill me before a plane crash. My fear of flying will kill me before an actual flight. Right. And so this last flight, I just said, I just won't order a drink. Yeah. And I just didn't order a drink. And yeah. I didn't drink there. And I didn't drink back. And I went, yeah, I don't have the... It, once I say no to myself with booze, that's super easy. But then she comes by with a cookie. And I'm like... Yeah. And I know how good that cookie is because it's yeah. been melted. Yep. And I, I can feel serotonin shooting off of my head as it hits the roof of my mouth. It's fuck. It's it, dude. It's weird. You know, FX flew me here. You know, and you're in the f- first class, first class where I you, saw you know, the bed, Delta. Yeah, yeah. I saw the big uh, and seven seven seven. I think. You know, they. I see the. I see the fruit. You know, the fruit yogurt and fruit breakfast. But there's a fucking omelet. There's a croissant. There's you know salmon. There's uh. You know, and you're like. You know, they just keep bringing it, and you're like, okay. And then the cookie comes, and you're like, I actually said no to the cookie. Yeah. And she put it on my stomach anyways. Literally placed it on my stomach. <laughs> I said, I waved her off. I go, no. And she put it on my stomach. I didn't have the, I said no. She put it on my stomach, and I don't have the ability to go, I said no. Mm-hmm. I, I ate it. Yeah. Because inside, and then they came back with snacks after that round. Like 20 minutes later, they come out with the snack thing. Oh, yeah. So I grabbed those little biscuits, little Delta biscuits. Oh, I love those. Whatever yeah. that flavor is. It's some weird fucking Dutch like biscuit. A cinnamon. Yeah, cinnamony, yeah. sugary oh, so biscuit, good. dry. I'd order a sleeve <laughs> of those if I could. Oh, yeah. If I could find those at the store, I'd fucking have them. Oh. And, it's, and then I get to the hotel, and I'm hungry again for some fucked up reason, so I order food. Yeah. And then the food comes, and I ordered a burger with salad. You know, but it came with like chips. So I eat the fuck. It's 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 like nobody knows that to stop that to put a fuck. I'm scared. I'm fucking nervous. I'm away. I'm tired. I'm lonely. I miss my family. I miss my kid. Yeah. I th- I've been on the we're on the road every fuck. There's no there's no there's no um, schedule in our lives. It's fucking we're all over the fucking place. Yeah. A lot of times with people we're with for months and then never see them again. Or, you know, it's not. It's like we have surrogate families. Wherever the fuck we go, we have these people. The the, the middle and the opener and the club, they're our family while we're there for fucking three days or and four days. And they know days. your habits and they want to welcome you the way your mom would. Dude, I was, just, like- I was just in fucking San Antonio. The kid who picks me up at the airport was a kid who worked with me before. Yeah. He literally had five restaurants ra- waiting to go. And I threw him off. I go... I want Hawaiian. Within 10 minutes, we walked into a restaurant. The lady went, Aloha. <laughs> and we're fucking eating Moco Locos. Oh, I love Moco Locos. Oh, my God. That's the thing is food is so fucking great now. Yeah. Like food, it's so amazing. And to be on the road, you know, and, and be able to fucking eat all this crazy great shit. I mean, the barbecue is like some fucking dude who said, I want to make the best barbecue ever, and I'm only open till two. When I run out, fuck you. Yeah. Y- your brain's like, okay, let me not get a hooker. Let me not do drugs. Let me not drink. Let me not do stuff that will kill me quick and fucking ruin my marriage. Let me go eat the fucking best barbecue 
in, in the you're, world. You're only there for a weekend. So when you go to Pittsburgh and they're like, you haven't had from Andy Brothers? And you're like, well, shit, I got to try it. Yes. You go to Philly. Yeah. I went, to, I, went, I went to both. <laughs> I went to both. I went to Pat's. Yeah. And I got up and I walked over to fucking Gino's by myself. Yeah. I left the people I was there. They go, where are you going? I'll be back. I went and got a, another steak and cheese by myself. Yeah. And I sat there like a fatty eating a fucking second steak and cheese by myself. Yeah. Because in my head, I'm, I justify it. It's a fucking drug, man. It's, it's terrible. And it's sacrifice. And it's literally saying no to yourself. But I think we've been rejected so much in our lives. We've, ha- we've lacked so much in our lives. And now that we can have it, we just do it. Because it kills the loneliness, it kills the fucking pain, and it, you don't have to be with yourself, you don't have to do the work. Yeah. If you're out at, that, at a fucking steak and cheese place, you're not home writing, you're not yeah. back at your hotel fucking working on the next thing, you're not alone, you're not working. Because writing can be just as fucking depressing and sad and fucked up as anything. You ever, you ever sit down and write for an hour, try to come up with something? Uh, I did this weekend and could not write, could not find anything, and I just got depressed. I was like... So wait, maybe I'm done. Maybe I'm done as a comic. That's what you start thinking. And you go, maybe I'm fucking, maybe I writ, wrote all my good, like, maybe I'll never write anything as good as the machine story. And I was like, so I'm working on this, on two stories. I have one that, one, one that's really great, but it's too much. I can't tell it because it's too much secret stuff. Like, I have to tell everyone all the bad shit I've done to do. And I don't have the balls to do it because I'm afraid I'll lose my job. And, and like, and then the other one... And then the other one is just, I go, maybe it's just boring. Maybe I, my litmus for what I think is interesting is skewed because I've gotten successful. You know, when you've, you've gotten happy. Yeah, like, you know, like when you see Kinnison, you're like, what's he doing? Does he just think everything he writes is brilliant? Well, you understand, he, he, shred, he ripped his life apart to be that guy. Yeah. You know, and you sit there and you're like, I love my house. I love my kid. I love my wife. Like I love being home. Going through, like, it's like, it's like, what is it? And it's like, Oh, okay. You know what it is? It's your fucking... It's your, your, your fears. It's the fact... Dude, I can't write because I, I'm afraid of losing it all. I'm afraid of losing the happiness. I'm afraid of losing fucking... Uh, you know, everything I have right now. I'm afraid of losing it. And it's like I feel like the great comics are never afraid of losing it. And yeah. they're never afraid of f- failure. All they care about is work, the work, you know? Like you look at like Louis and, and Collins and they're just constantly working. And it, they still fail. They're still fucked up. They still have all these problems. But somehow they just, their main addiction is the work. And it's yeah. like somehow if you can switch over this fucking addiction. Because if you look at guys like me, I do a million things. Yeah. Instead of one thing great. You know, yeah. podcasting, podcast network. I have a network. I have the latest and greatest. I fucking know what every restaurant is. I smoke. I know you fucking. Got a TV show. I'm on a TV. All this fucking shit. But then you look at the people that are fucking really successful, and I might be wrong. And no, they, you're right. But I think they do that one thing. That's what their thing is. They do that, and then you know, yeah, they're sexual and their food or whatever. All that shit's behind that one thing. Like, yeah. we, I make food that one thing Yeah. on when I'm on the road. I call them buckets. I, go, I call them buckets. 
I love, Rogan, you have, love you have names for things. I, I'm in therapy. Um, <laughs> I think you, me, me and you talked about that. You're like, Bert, get, definitely get into therapy. You're like, it's not bad. Um, yeah, it's, it's um, actually a great place. It's a neutral place where you can be fearless. Yeah, and I, I call them buckets. I talked to Rogan about it, and Rogan was like... Rogan and Burr both said this to me at the comedy Who? store one time. Burr. No. Burr and Rogan. They were like, uh, you're doing too much shit. You can't focus on what yeah. makes you good. I remember they were both sitting... And the way I remember it's probably different than the way it happened. Maybe they told it to me the same night or yeah. night to night, back to back. They were both sitting in the same place, and they were like... I remember, I think Bill said, like, how much... How much money do you need? Like, how, like what's the difference between a million dollars and $700,000? You know, like, like what's, what, like, how busy do you, because on, on travel, I was going, like, I'd be out three weeks at a time and yeah. not doing stand-up at all for three weeks. And they're like, you're a really good stand-up. Focus on what you're great at. And Joe's been, I think, very open about, like, he's, he, he wants to downsize and just do his podcast and stand-up, what he's great at. He, I, and I think he still could do the MMA stuff. I don't know what's going on with him with that. Yeah. But, like, Bill's the same way. Podcast, stand-up, you know, F is for family. I was doing podcast, stand-up, vlog, travel channel. I was doing two shows on travel channel at one yeah. time, yeah. doing ad sales for travel channel at the same time, yeah. and then going, like, where's the time for – so I had, like, these five buckets that I'm trying to fill up when I maybe really only have talent for, like, podcast, stand-up, and one thing other yeah. than that. I think you can ch- – I, I, I don't think you have to – I don't think you have to say this is what I'm good at. This is what I should – I think you should say this is what I want to do right now. Yeah. Whether it's say, okay, I want to do an hour. Okay, for the next year, you just do stand-up. Yeah. And you write jokes. And you do your podcast and just stand-up. I want to write a show. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna write a fu- I'm just gonna write a show. Yeah. So when I sit down, I'm writing a fucking show. I'm gonna write a show, and I'm gonna focus in on writing and learning how to, how, from the ground from the fucking ground. Not just me at a computer, not just me writing shit. And hey, honey, what do you think of this? Yeah. I like it. It's not. It's oh my god. Yeah. Fuck. How the fuck does she know? You know what I mean? I love my wife, but really, she fucking loves everything. I yeah, that's yeah, it's yeah. good. You should. Ugh. <laughs> that's why I love like Jim Serpico. You know, I met him. He's a great guy. He's the fucking greatest. But he's one of those guys. He's that. You know, it's like you, you go do it, and I can give him something, and he'll be like, "Yeah, we you can't. This is why this we can't do anything with this. This is why this is good, but what?" And he he always. Ask those like, what is this? Yeah. To get you to that next thing, like, okay, where? So when, like, if I write something with him, it starts at the fucking very bottom, and it goes very slow, and it has no accolades, and there's no good feelings. It just sucks. Yeah. It just sucks. Writing sucks. Yeah. Writing, creating stinks. It's all. It's like giving birth, and it's like fuck, fuck, and you. You feel like you you're pushing think, for twenty four hours. You can't think about the fucking future. You can't think about the past. You have to just think about where you're at right now and solve the problem. Solving problems. That's all it is. Yeah. Is where, okay, here's this premise. Here's this idea. Where, where, what about this? What about that? Where am I going? What is this rep? Why do we need this? And you keep, and it sucks because nobody's going, dude, that's great. It's not, it's not a fucking, it's not fun. It's yeah. not fun. And the one thing that I crave is fun. I crave happiness. I crave fun because I, f- I feel like shit a lot. And I'm afraid of feeling bad. That's my biggest fear. 
I don't want to feel bad or sad because, yeah. and and that's why I crave these fucking things that make me feel good. Yeah. And it's like the guys that are successful, I really think f- feel bad a lot and can f- get through that fucked up feeling and get through it, not for the prize at the end, but for the simple fact of getting through that pain. They like they like actually running the marathon. Yes. They love getting yeah. they love the they love the course. And they love getting better at it. Yeah. They love getting better at running. So you might not win it's not about winning it. It's about becoming your best at it. So whatever that is, maybe you wind up at the end of it, you won. Maybe you're fifth. Maybe you're fucking you know, 300, who gives a, f- but I, I did better than I did last time and I'll do better the next time. It's like, that's why I like fighters. You ever hear fighters talking and they're like, yeah, I got stuff to work on. It's like, yeah. you, you just won the championship. You're the champ. Yeah. Yeah. I still have things. Oh, because they're worried about, they did something wrong. They know what they did wrong. And they're worried about the work and becoming better than, you know, like me, uh, you know, I want to fucking, you know, have, Fuck you money And then I'll be happy I want to sell out every show I don't want to have to fucking have a club call me on Thursday Can you tweet on the You know You know I want what that guy has You know Rogan Yeah I'm doing a show here Sold out Immediately I'm I'm bringing nine guys Because he was never worried about And again I could be wrong I don't think he was worried about selling out the show I, I, I think you're accurate on that I don't think I think for him it's the same thing with working out. He loves working out. He yeah. loves the way he feels after. Yeah. But he loves working out. And, and I hate working out. I like working out when I'm in shape. I don't like working out when I'm in shape either. <laughs> That's another... It's like, you know, I don't want to be Rogan. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to be Burr. I don't want to be... be Rogan or Burr. Like we, that's Burr. The one, but that's the thing I, that fucking sucks. Yeah. It's in your head. It's like, oh, I got to be this guy. No, 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 no. You might not work out. You might just be healthy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you might be that, you might be a little, th- just eat healthier and learn how to eat and, and not eat to feel something. If you're eating to feel something emotional, yeah. that's when I think it's wrong. And that's what well, I did. I've been there in the Chicago airport the other day. What happened? Oh, just fucking. It's, uh, it was the, not this last trip, but the trip before that. And I just was there and I was thinking to myself. You know, they're like I don't. I won't say names, but there's <laughs> guys that are much older than us that weren't even in the same system we're in that you run into on the road. Yeah, and you see them, and they're they may be sixty five years old, and they're still doing the clubs. Yeah, and you just think to yourself, the the thought I had is, am I cool with that? Because I have to be. Some guys are. Yeah, I do. I, but I, I need to be. I, I need to be. If I I love stand up, am I cool with that? If like say I get bigger. But then I go back down, and then at 60, I got the girls in college, and I need to pay bills. Am I cool with going to Des Moines and, and selling 80 on a Thursday? Am I cool with that? I don't think – here's my problem. I don't think people that are successful think about that. Really? No, I don't think so. I don't think I – I just – I think that a guy like Louie – doesn't think about other people. I think he just thinks about him, what he wants to do. Do you know what I mean? I think I want to. I want to just. I want to go 
See, I've been that way. See, okay, I'll tell you what. Like, you gotta, let me just say this. After Louis' success, L- Lucky Louis got douched off HBO. Yeah. I remember talking to him. I'm like, what are you going to do now? And he's like, oh, I got this 8mm camera. I'm just going to fuck. I just want to film. I just want to learn how to use it and film. I want to make a little film on this 8mm camera. Yeah. What? They, dude, it was like, they, they, you could make a fucking video with your phone by then. He had an 8mm camera but that I he think- shot. And that's where, let me just say, that's where he shot that. He shot the little movie. And that was the pilot of Louis on FX. Oh, really? Because he went and just did what he wanted to do creatively. Yeah. And did that work. And then it became something that he didn't know it was going to become. Okay, imagine. I feel like... So, I did that. I did tra- I did Travel Channel for... S- I've been doing it for seven years now. That's crazy. And I, I did it... I, I've been doing travel because I wanted to do it. I, yeah. love, I love traveling. I love going abroad. I think the... Fuck, I'm yeah. all about stories. And I think the sto- accumulating the stories are great. And I've been you doing great it, on the show. And I wanted to learn how to make television in that way. And then I got to the end of Bird the Conqueror and I was like, okay, I wonder if I can make my own shit now so I started doing a vlog yeah. started doing my own vlog shooting it editing it posting it got good traction and then I just, I just got like kind of bored with it and I was like I wonder what else I want to do and then I was like well I kind of want to do a scripted show so I called one of my buddies and I was like let's work on a yeah. scripted show but I feel like if you're Louie you do one of these little baby projects and it blows up if you're me or you do them and you go great you have no focus you can't focus on anything like you sit with your agents and they're like why don't you just focus on, you know what I mean? I don't. Well, here's the thing, like if you look at my special, right, the last one I did, I remember we were all set to do. We were all set to do. Um, some a company was gonna do it, and you know it was really important to me to do it in a certain way. And I, you know, I talked to Jim Serpico about that. I was like, I really want it to be a small venue. I want it to be jazz. I want it to look. Were you set originally to do it at the cellar? I was set to do it at a. A theater. They wanted me to do it at a okay. twenty five hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the thing: is that you have to be at a theater, you, because it has to look big. You have to look bigger than you. I was like, yeah, but I don't play theaters. I play clubs. Yeah. And I go, I want to do it at a club. I want that club feel. I want you know. And at the last minute, I I called Jim. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to. I know I get a special. I know it's all taken care of. No one. There's no risk in... I just don't want to do it because it's not what I want. I'd rather not do a special. I'd rather not have my stand-up out there than to have it out there in a way that I don't, I don't want. Like you in a coat and tie. I, no, just, just the way they were going to do it. I just didn't want it. Yeah. And he was like, all right, then let me see what I can do. And he, he, he went and did what he does yeah. and figured out, okay, if you can get the seller for free, we can film your special yeah. at the Village Underground. And we had to do everything. Like, there's no money. Everything's done. Nobody's getting a dime. He's going to lose fucking thousands. His kid's college fund, gone. Yeah. It was like two people risked everything, called in a bunch of favors, and we shot it. And we did it. And then we saw it. And we were like, it's, this is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. This is it. So I, don't, I didn't do it to be. Nobody wanted it. Nobody, nobody. So it was like we did it just to do it because it was what we wanted to do. And then Comedy Central bought it. Netflix bought it. Thank God. Love Netflix. I love Comedy Central. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll take it after we did it. 
So it was like, great, but we didn't do it for that. We you did didn't it. Do it for that reason. We did it the way we wanted to do it to have that. And then people were like, oh, this, this is nice. This is, you guys did a great job. And they were like, Comedy Center was fucking cool enough to be like, okay, cool. Yeah. And Netflix was like, yeah, okay. And whoever was there was like, yeah, we'll buy it. And they bought it and they aired it. And, but it, you, know, you look at that and you're like, oh, shit. I di- you know, we did it our way. And it wasn't for the outcome. It wasn't for, you know, I, wanna, I want people to like it. I liked it. Yeah. I wanted this. This is the way I saw it. And Jim saw it the same way and agreed with me. So we did it. And look, it could be on a shelf right now. I could have been selling it on my website. Who knows? Yeah. Thank God it, 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 it took off after that. You don't know where something's going to go unless you, you're doing the work. And if you have, oh, I want it to be here and have it. I don't think. It, did you, you not have. Did, I mean, and I say this because my, my special is coming out in October. Yeah. And I did that. I did it the way I wanted. I did it shirtless. Yeah. I did it. I did it in the. I wanted to do it in a club. I did it in the Irvine Improv. Killed a yeah. hundred seats. Yeah, and it and I shot it with the cameras. I wanted the way I wanted it shot. Everything. I was almost micromanaging it. Did you have expectations for it though? Well, um, I had expectations for what it looked like. I had expectations for what it what it was. Okay. And we met those expectations, and that was it. So when you got done with it, you were like, "This is me." Well then, Jim Serp, that, that's me. This and is what you, I. This is what I wanted. And you had and then, that moment with your wife. You're like, "This is my perfect special." At the time, I was like, "I did it. Yeah. I did it. We did it. Me and Jim and Bobcat and the crew. Yeah, we all got together and did my vision, what I saw. You know, it's like that's great. You know, um, I think that to me is." I'm trying to get focused on that because not every not everybody's going to be a superstar, dude. You got that right. And That's it's Fight Club. It's like you, we're trying to be what the, I think the industry wants everybody to everybody want they want them to be a superstar or have the potential to be a superstar. And if you're not, if you don't have that potential, if you're not high, I don't think they have the ability to waste their time on you. Do you understand? Yeah. Um, some people have that heat and they can take that heat and do what they do and skyrocket some of these people to the, the outer atmosphere. Um, I, I, not everybody's going to do that. Yeah. And like you said that Joe said, how much do you, how much, or Billy said, how much really do you really need? It's true. It's like Ari Shafir. Dude, I, I only need 40 grand a year to survive. And that's all, he, that's all he needs to make. He really does. And he's happy. He's the fucking happiest guy. But look at from what, when he stopped giving a fuck about making it, quote unquote. Oh, he's taking a year off from stand-up. But look what he did. From he made it. Yeah. He fucking has a show on comedy. His storytelling show. He goes everywhere. He's at every festival. He has a blast. He does his drugs. He takes his shirt off. He walks around. He has his podcast. He's got his fan base. He does. He's fucking ha- He He made it. It's just not... It's not Kevin Hart. Oh, I look at I look at this special, and you know, you get... Ex- Holy shit. You get... Uh-huh. That is exactly... If I wasn't 20 years older than her. Uh-huh. Um... I look at <laughs> expectations, and you always get expectations. My management and agents are like, uh, you know, let's start getting you into theaters. Once the special airs, it's going to change everything. Yeah. I think the special is fantastic. I'm more proud of it than anything I've ever done in my entire career. 
However, my expectations are, I think, if it could build my podcast by 50%, so and, I can, and, I can add, and I can <laughs> add maybe another 40 sold tickets to every single show and move in that direction, I'm happy. Like, that's the way yeah, I look but, at it. Yeah, I know, but like, that's... Like, measured expectations, because I go, I don't want to be the guy... You ever seen the guys at the club, they're like, come in, and they believe they're the shit, and you, you know they're not, and they're like, yeah, I just did a Netflix special. Uh, I'll be doing theaters next year, and you're just like... Oh, okay, good for you. Yeah. Yeah, you'll be doing theaters next year. I'm trying to become better. Yeah. I'm trying to become better at a stand-up, and I'm trying to be, you know, better at acting... So I don't I don't know I don't I don't I don't know what that thing is. I don't know. What what is that thing? It might never happen. I might never get that thing. What if that thing is this right now? This podcast? No, no, just no no. <laughs> but no, seriously. What if somebody hears this? You don't fu- What if some fucking dude who knows me from Louie hears this and then says, "Dude, I wrote this po- and then I'm in it and then I'm fucking holding up an Emmy in fucking 2 years." Who the fuck knows? What if somebody he- hears this, sees me and you, all of a sudden me and you are on a show and then we're fucking giving speeches of how you t- yeah. you never know. <laughs> I don't like I th- what I you know, it's like that thing. It's like like when I talk to these people I love talking to. I don't get to talk to Joe Rogan that much. I, you know, I'm a big fan of Joe, and I, I really do. I think talking to those people, like Burr and Joe and yeah, and 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 Colin and, and Louie and these guys, when you talk to them, they're they're not really. I, don't, I I know they have fears and doubts. They have all that shit, but it's like you know, it's just like oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. Yeah, and they go and do it. You know, and. All of a sudden, they fucking, they did it. You know, it's like this show I'm doing. You know, I didn't have to learn how to play the drums. I could have just faked it, you know, and they would have fucking shot around me and all that shit. But I was like, let mama just go do it. And it sucked. It was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. In the fucking 25 years of doing this business, the worst thing I've ever done is learn how to play drums. Yeah. And now I... Dude, two and a half years later, I can go to a fucking guitar center and sit down on a drum kit and not feel fucked up. Yeah. I'm not a great drummer. I'm not fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I can sit and it's like, oh, oh, that fucking two years, that first year and a half sucked. I was so fucking shitty and shameful and I felt like shit and it was so hard and I just frustrating and throwing drumsticks and fucking kicking and this and that. And now, all of a sudden, two and a half years later, I'm fucking. I can go to a drum and sit on a kit and play some fuck ACDC or fucking Bon Jovi or whatever easy shit. I can do it yeah. and not feel, oh shit, man, I did it. But it's like that work. It's like the time limits, the fucking percentages, and the fucking outcomes, I think, are what hold us back so much. Yeah. Because we have these expectations. You know, I used to, some, my sponsor used to tell me all the time, if you have no expectations, you have everything you need. You're happy. Yeah. But if you add expectations to your life, you're fucking bumming until they're met. And if they're not yeah. met, you're fucked up. And you failed. Yeah. And, th- and, that, and there goes fucking, you know, eating. You know, <laughs> because I have expectations of showing up at a club and it's sold. Every show sold out. I don't need oh. to. That's I mean, the, that's the worst <laughs> is when you have when you have like like three back to back great weekends and then you go somewhere your numbers are low and you're like, yeah. 
Oh, fuck, man. Like, like you don't understand, too. It's like, look, dude, you're on a TV show for fucking f- how many years? Seven. I've been on uh, FX for two years. You I mean, lucky Louis before that. Louis before that. Louis before that. And I, you know, I'm, I'm literally, I'm on a fucking show for two years. I'm a series regular. Yeah. But TV's changed. So There's much. so many fucking, fucking, dude, Netflix and Amazon have Amazing original content. I just binge watched Strange Things. Have you seen it? No. I'm, but I heard all about it. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Do you know how hard it is for people? People recognize me from Louie more than Sex and Drugs. Really? Because they watch, they just, a lot of people have watched Louie the last season or they binge watched it in the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, see, they're going to I'll be famous from sex drugs next year <laughs> when yeah. people watch it. Yeah. They don't do overnights anymore. No. Like people don't watch TV the night of sporting events and fucking, you know, premieres when people go uh, we premiere Tuesday, June 7th at 8 a.m. Yeah. I'm thinking to who? Yeah, I'll watch your show. Yeah. Fucking six months later, I'll, I'll be like, oh, fucking Bert. Oh, I'll I wanna, gotta, yeah, I got a binge of this. Yeah, I'll watch, I'll go to fucking, and I'll watch a bunch of those episodes and be like, ah, oh, this is fucking great. I, I, yeah, it's almost like put out the body of work and let everyone catch up with the body of work. And then. It's just, it's not, it's just 600 channels. People literally have 600 channels. The, the fucking channels, dude, go to the 600, 800, yeah. 700. Okay. There's, dude, there used to be HBO and Showtime. That's it. There's fucking epic Cinemax show star. There's, there's five fucking, HBOs. Dude, then they have Netflix. <laughs> they have there's five HBOs, five Showtimes. There's so much fucking content out there that it's almost imp- if if me and you did this ten years ago, we'd be we wouldn't be able to sit here and do this. Oh yeah, we wouldn't fucking be able to do this. Think, do you remember when we started or when when we were both in New York? Yeah. I, I said to someone the other day, I go, I felt like there was like 150 comedians. That was it. Like, I, oh my god! I mean, yeah. It was like it was like I could I could honestly, if you said pen and paper, your life depends on it. Give me 80 percent of the comics working in New York in 1999. Yep. I could write them down. Yeah, there's a million comics because now you understand we didn't we went and went to be a comic. We went to the clubs yeah. and learned how to be a comic. Now kids in their teens watch comedy on TV and on YouTube and on Netflix and learn how to be a comic from their house. Yeah. And then they go and learn, you know, that's why it's like every comic is, looks like a fucking ghost hunter because they went out and bought the what comics wear and, you know, set up punch tag. It's very simple. It's, a, it's, a, it's you know, it's, you get to write a setup. Hey, blah, 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 blah. And then a tag, a punchline, and then a yep. tag. And you can learn how to do that. And, you know, these comics, there's a lot of comics out there, very successful, that are set up, punch, great comic joke writers. And it's, you can put them on TV because it's, they're not controversial and they're not, they're not, you know, it's, they're not fucking with anybody. And, and it's great. You can sell ads and put them out there and young and good looking and multicultural. And, you know, you got an Indian, you got a Spanish, you got a woman who's a Spanish and a lesbian and you got a black guy and you got a, you know, back when we came up, you had to be fucking funny. You had to be funny. Like you couldn't. I remember watching guys come off uh, uh, Mark Cohen. I remember he, he used to do make me laugh. 
Oh, my God. I remember him coming to the Boston, and he was set up punch. And yeah. he went up, and I just remember watching him and going, oh, this isn't going to. And he, it just was, it was like you watch that crowd eat him alive. I remember yeah. watching Dane come, and I remember thinking Dane was set up punch, and Dane was not. Yeah. He fucking came into the Boston, yeah. and I watched him murder. And I was like, yeah. oh, this guy's a legit fuck. Well, it's just a different, there's a guy, there's comics that can go up anywhere, anytime, and just murder. Yeah. And then there's people that can, in, in certain circumstances, in certain places, do very well, you know? And I don't want to take anything, like, I, you know, there's a lot of funny people out there. There are. There are the, a lot, the younger there are, there generation. Even just the fact that we're talking about Joe Sarah List, Tiana, jo, uh, Joe List, Mark Norman, yeah. all the guys that are, uh, uh, Nate Bergazzi, like guys that are just, there's yeah. a great group. I think there's a lot better of comics, too. I think there was a lot of mediocre guys when we started that were getting yeah. spots at the cellar that yeah. you'd be like huh yeah it's it's uh, and think of this too dude. there's three comedy cellars now comedies there's so much comedy there's so much shit yeah. I mean comics are rock stars now yeah. I mean Kevin Hart's selling out 55,000 seats Kevin Hart there's a fucking nine comedy clubs in every fucking city so it's like they had to fill that up and they were and they every comedy club's 420 now it's fucking crazy. Oh, we went and did... I did Liberty. And I... You know, in my head, I'm always thinking that your sellout's at 270. Yeah. Because that's what every club I've ever done as. Yeah. And I was like, this has got to be close, huh? And they're like, oh, we're just at 380 right now. And I went, you have 380 people in here? And I was like, holy shit. That's a... Like, I'm it's going... It's a small doing, theater. I'm doing stand-up live this weekend. Yeah. It seats 500. Arizona? Yeah. It's a great club. It is. It's fucking Especially great club. Especially if you sell tickets there. Dude, there's nothing like selling... And I, but here's the thing too is that some places you sell it's it's, it's in Arizona this weekend it's me in Stand Up Live at 500 Dan Soder at Tempe which is I think 320 I mean how many fucking like how many people are getting into comedy that me and Dan Soder can be in within 10 miles of each other and yeah. we'll both sell tickets it's I don't know how insane. I don't know how. It's 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 really hard, man. It's yeah. hard to, I mean, like the Wilbur in Boston. I remember I was there. I play Laugh Boston now because it's a club. Yeah. But I was at the Wilbur. Wanda was there Thursday. Brewer was there uh, Friday. Jesselneck was there Saturday, and I was after Jesselneck on a Saturday. So it's like, at the same venue, the same weekend, there was this fucking, you know, and Conan was. At the Wang, right down the street. Holy so it's like, how the fuck? I mean, it's like astronomical. Back in the day, I'd be the only motherfucker in town at the Faneuil Hall. Yeah. I'd be at Faneuil Hall, and that was it, and I was the one, and that's, you'd sell the fuck out. Because they had the, you know, Knicks or this, and that would be local guys, and you were the only one. Now, they were like, fuck it, man. There's five comedy clubs. We all have, you know, 350 to 500 seaters. And fucking they're bringing in every week. There's a motherfucker coming in. Yeah. And now you don't even have to have an hour of stand-up. I go in. Most comics do 45 minutes. I know. Isn't that fucking insane? But they're like, okay, he's going to do uh, 20 and he's going to do a half hour and you can do 44. I'm like, what? Yeah. That's the thing is you don't even have to do an hour anymore. You can do 40 for 45 minutes and call it a night. And I'm like, what an easy gig. What? Wow, that's fucking really? Yeah. Like, 
Do you remember the last stop in Houston? Yeah. Pete Pirelli? Yeah. I, that was the club where he was like, Daniel Tosh came in and did uh, 45 minutes. That's bullshit. I want you doing an hour. I want to be selling drinks for an hour. <laughs> and I learned how to do an hour because of that place. I always say Texas taught me how to do an hour. Okay. There's nothing. And I put it on the fans a little too, you know? It's like, if you know Burt Kreischer. Yeah. Go fucking, you know, bring somebody. Yeah, right? Go call a friend, you know? I think they're a little, I think fans have gotten spoiled. There's so many good comics coming in every single week to every single place in this country. They're spoiled, you know? So are they going to go see it? Uh, yeah. Mm, it's almost- unless you're a fucking... You know, you're, you're, you're fucking, oh, that, we have to. He's, you know, he's on that show. Or he's this or that. But people don't understand it. It's like, the, the, there's nothing better in the world than coming in and knowing that you sold out. And that you don't have to worry about that. Because, but in my brain, I think that we shouldn't. Because it's not our fault. Yeah. It's not your fault, Bert. That in, where were you last week? Syracuse. It's not your fault. It's not, it has no, it's not because you're not funny. It's not because your jokes are old. It's not because you're not, you know, progressing. It's not because you're not famous enough or your fame is dying. Yeah. It's not your fault. It's that there's too much of it. They might have went two weeks ago. Oh, the lineup in Sarah, like I did, I did, okay, numbers Thursday. Friday was so light on both shows. I was just like, you get in your head. You go, yeah. is it me? Is it this? Is it that? Yeah. Saturday, both shows sold out. And I go, oh, so now I'm back? Like, so I was down on Friday, and now I'm back in the game on Saturday? In reality, dude, you could have went to a small theater and then went one night, 500 seats and just on Thursday. Yeah. You could have went. It's literally, you know, you could go in and do one show. If you did just Friday and Saturday, you would have sold Friday and Saturday out. You know, but it's it's hard at this level. I think at our level, it's a hard it's hard. Once you go to a theater, it's one night. You got one shot, and it's been brewing for three months. They see that ad, and it's like, oh, let's go do that. Let's go. It's a night. It's an event. Yeah, that's you know? interesting. Yeah, comedy clubs do, do give you that almost like it's almost like the the restaurant next door that you always pass by. You're like, ah, that's right next door. Why don't we go somewhere yeah. for eat to eat? Yeah, it's like you know I, that's why this tour I just booked. It's like, I, I went to places that I don't, there's a comedy club that's not booking me or whatever. Okay, I'm going to come in and do this 200-seater. I'll go in. I'll go in on a Thursday. I'll do a 200-seater. And I'll do a door deal. I'll, 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 I might not make a dime. I literally might lose money. If I don't sell tickets, I lose money. And then the next night, I'm doing another 150-seater. And the night after that, I'll go, I'll drive to this place and I'll do a, I'll do a fucking uh, another 200-seater somewhere. So I'm going here, here, and here, all within two hours of each other in three nights. So instead of going to one club and fucking maybe selling, yeah. I'm going to three different places that if I sell, it's because of me. That's the Segura mentality. It's fucking me. That Segura told me that a long time ago. He's, I'm, he's like, I'm not doing clubs until I'm selling. All the, like he was like, he would just go out and do a city. He's like, I'm doing a theater in Austin. Yeah. And I was like, but you're only selling three hundred tickets. He yeah. goes, yeah, but I get all the money. And then I'm, I'm home. Yeah. 
And I was like, yeah, don't you want to do a weekend and build? And he was like, no, no, you're not well, building audiences. Well, clubs don't allow you to build. Like, I think certain clubs, like Tampa, Tampa Side Splitters, he, he allowed me to build an audience. So I'm doing that club. Because four years ago, he's like, dude, we're going to build you an audience here. Yeah. I'm going to have you here two times a year. And we're going to fucking build your audience. Yeah. And they're going to know you're fucking. And it's, it's, is it the nicer club? No. But I fucking sell out when I'm there, and he makes money. I go on Cowhead, you know, and, yeah. and Mike Calta fucking helps me. And, okay, great. So I'm going to go up to Jacksonville, Gainesville. I'm going to go bing, bing, small little venues, come down, do Tampa, and fucking do a club for the weekend. That's what I got to add in my routing is one night or one night or weekend. It's, I think it's better. To one, number one, you're freer on stage. You have less, less expectations. Yeah. Um, number two, there's less people in front of you taking up the prime fucking great time. You understand? When you have a uh, half hour in front of you, that's the best time of the show. Yeah. That's the fucking prime. You're giving literally the best fucking spot to some guy who's middling. He's getting 20 minutes, 25 minutes of super fucking high intensity focus. First. Second drink energy. I just had my second cocktail. Oh, that's And they're my fucking there to there. see you. Yeah. And you go up halfway through that, and then they'll drop a check on you. Yeah. So they'll literally say, fuck you. Jay Moore, I don't talk much about Jay, but we, don't, we haven't spoken in a while, but. You don't talk to Jay? I haven't talked to Jay in uh, probably like four years, five years. Why? Um, but he changed. The format of the way headlining worked, I was appreciative for it at the time, and I, I think it, I don't know if it works. I think Brian Regan does it, but he'd have Segura do ten or fifteen, and then he'd do an hour in the middle. Yeah, and then I'd do the last thirty during the checks. He, his, his, his. It wasn't because he couldn't follow me or anything. It was that it was that t- he thought it would prove that I was a better comic to the clubs than they thought I was already because I could deal with a check spot. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking me. Here's the deal. Here's what. Here's what. You know what Phoenix did for me. Stand yeah. up live, and they'll do it for you. I said I don't want a check spot. And they go okay. We'll have the MC go up and do five minutes at the end. <coughs> That's well, not a bad idea. I said what? He goes. We'll just have the MC go up, and he'll eat the check spot. He'll do a time at the end. He'll do all the stuff we have him to do, and you know, do five to ten minutes at the end of stand up and blah blah blah, and that's it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. It's as simple as that. So they drop the checks, bang, right at the end. He goes up, does time, gets more stage time. You did an hour and you closed on ba bow. Everybody's yeah. focused. Everybody's there. And if you cut that other guy in the middle down a little bit, you know what Colin did? He would he would walk out. Who else did it? Someone else did it too. They would just walk out on the road at a theater. Like, the guy in front of him would do, like, 10, 15, yeah. 15 minutes, and then he'd just come out and really? do an hour. And that's it. That's your fucking show. Yeah. Why do you need an hour and a half? That's why these small rock venues are great. I'll do whatever I want. You do 10, you do 10, 15, I'm going to come out and do an hour yeah. or whatever I want, you know? And then there's no pressure because you know what you have when you go to these big clubs? Yes, are they going to want me back? Yeah. Am I going to be able to come back here? I, they- just, I just got a text from Stroop, and I was wondering, I wonder if it's about the numbers in Sy- Syracuse. 
Oh, I, I love Stroop. I love Stroop. But I haven't worked his clubs in fucking three years. Really? No. The new, the new um, Columbus uh, is a massive. Yeah, I love, I love Stroop. One of the, I, he, I mean, he's just a great guy. I haven't worked his clubs in fucking three years. Really? Because I want this, and he can only do this. And it's like, okay. So, they, okay, I, I, don't, I, love, I still love the guy. I, I, his deal is his deal. Like the guys from Zanies, Nashville. Dorfman's. I didn't work with them for a long time. I love those two guys. I love those guys. They finally brought me back. You know? But uh, I was like, okay, I want this. Okay, we can do that. And they did it. Yeah. And I was happy. They were happy. And it was great. You know? It's, it's a... It's a this, 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 this part for us at our age, it's fucking scary, dude. Because... Yeah. You know, I can't stay up till five in the morning anymore. Yeah. I, I can't, you know, I'm not trying to get pussy anymore. It's, you know, I'm, you know what I mean? It's like, and then you see all these people. We know people that just sell out everywhere. And we know people that just don't even think about it. Oh, yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? What do we, you know, wow, how do we... You know, and then there's guys beneath us that will do it for fucking twelve hundred bucks, seven shows, and they're happy as. It's like we're in this middle thing where we have to make this much money. I'm not doing Wednesday to fucking Monday. No, I'm doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I'm out. But I want this much money, and they're like, "Well, go fuck yourself." I can't. So they ha- we have to find another way. Yeah. And I think if you, and you can't be mad at these fucking people either. No. So you have to find your way to get back. I got to go back to Cleveland. I love the guy at Cleveland. Hilarities. 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 I love hilarities. I love him. Fucking best guy ever. Yeah. I never, I can't get an offer. So, fuck it. How, what do I do? Okay, dude, go find me a small venue. So I'm working the grog or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. We'll roll in one night. My buddy Stavros, we're going to drive in. I'm going to do my shit at a small venue, and I hope it sells the fuck out. If you could tour with anyone. Like, if you could put on a tour like you did with Torgasm. Wait, what was Torgasm like? Was that fun? Um, was it because watching it, I it seemed like that was that was when I saw that I thought, okay, that's one of my bucket list adventures is to be able to tour with my friends like that. Well, I mean, dude, it was Dane's tour. I think comedian was more friends touring. I think we were cast. Ours was more of a cast. Really? Well, if you look at it. You know, it's I'm friends with Dane and Dane wanted me to be part of it, but it was Dane's tour. It wasn't my it wasn't I was, you know, nobody gave a fuck about me. Yeah, it wasn't me. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's two different questions. You know, Torgasm was a it was more. Uh, it was a Dane Cook vehicle that he put his friends on. Yeah, um, because it would add to the filming as opposed to to the- comedians that were guys who are friends going out and just doing shows together. Who would that be if you could put... Because you did the Opie and Anthony... Yeah. The, the virus tour. You know, I would... I would probably... Yeah, I would love to be on the road with Joe List, Dan Soda. Um, I don't know. I'd like... I mean, you know, the people that I... You know, I'd like to bring young guys too. Because I like to see guys like Chris Scopo, yeah. who's, who's evolved in the last two years, become actually really good. Like Stavros, who's a young comedian, who's, I think, kicking it. 
uh, Tim Dillon. I would love to tour. He's a new guy. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, I'd love to be on the road with Norton and, and Keith and, and Voss. That would be I'd such love to a be fun with, fucking tour. Like Colin. Yeah, I'd love to, you know, be on the road with those guys, you know. But I wouldn't want to be on a, t- you know, I wouldn't be on a tour that's. One man heavy. Yeah, I, like if Kevin Hart's like, I mean, I was, nah, obviously we'd all be. Like, I wouldn't fuck that. No, I'd say no. Yeah. No. Why am I going to fucking go and be the fucking the pepper to your fucking American chop suey? You know, right. people are going to get American chop suey. They don't give a fuck what you put in it. Yeah. They just want to go have American chop suey. Yeah. I, 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 you know what I mean? Uh-huh. I'd rather just. How many fucking fat jokes are people making now? <laughs> you know, I'd tour you. I'd fucking yeah. That's why I love like what Rogan does. You know, I you know even when it, you know he just brings a ton of guys with him. Oh. Just fucking he brings killers and they just go out and kill in front of him. Joey Diaz gets a standing ovation. Yeah, dude. When he goes out and, yeah. and murders. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think Louis doing it now. Louis bringing Michelle Wolf, uh, Joe List. Uh, he's bringing a ton of people with him. Really? Just go, yeah, just a bunch of people going on. I mean, again, it's his show, but you know, I think the oddball thing. The thing that sucks about oddball because I love Live Nation, I love those guys, but it's like I'd love to be on that tour. Like, I don't know how. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you look at that tour and it's fucking a bunch of different people. G, uh, Big J's on it. You got uh, you know Dane's on it this year, which yeah, he's is doing Dallas. Yeah, Dane. It's like, what the fuck? You know, that's, I think that's great that he fucking finally was like, you know, went and did something with other people. Yeah. Like, um, who else is on it? Uh, Segura, me, yeah. um, uh, Eliza. Yeah, that's like a great fucking, I think that's Fluffy, a great tour. Sebastian. Yeah, that's a fucking great tour. It is. You it, know what I mean? It should be. What's up, buddy? Know. It's my friend, you know, John. Yeah. He's from the show, Sex and Drugs. How you doing? Plays rehab. Um, I think that's a great tour. That'd be yeah. a fun tour to be on. Be- yeah, that'd yeah, because be fun. I love, I love meeting. You know, like there's people that I I don't know. Yeah, that I love to fucking you know hang out with. You know, how you doing, man? Nice to meet you. Nice up, to buddy? meet you. How you doing, buddy? My favorite guest in the world. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Should we be wrapping this up? We're at hour thirty. Yeah, whatever you want, dude. Whatever you want. I could talk to you forever, Bobby. I could literally, I literally could talk to you forever. Well, you know, it's weird. I, I could talk to you too, man. I do, yeah. We've always kind of been in the same. It's weird too because we kind of, even our careers, we're always right there doing shit. Like, I said, Colin said it last night. He's like, he's like, not everybody's fucking, not everybody becomes a superstar. Yeah. Some people just work. And me and you are, just work. You look at you look at someone like Colin, and I think you could argue whether or not Colin is a superstar. But I think Colin would say, "No, he just works. He just goes in and does the work." Yeah, because the business would have fucking had him gone years ago exactly. after Tough Crowd. But it's it's not up to them. Is it really not? It's up to you or me and the work we put in, and then it's up to the people who fucking whether they like it or not. Yeah, you only get a handful of Kevin Hart's, Amy Schumer's. I don't know if I'd want where Amy is. Like, that, that kind of scrutiny. Like, oh. she, you know? Oh, don't. Let's not get fucking carried away. I would fucking take any one of those fucking assholes fames. I would fucking love to just go. I would oh, go to a fucking ATM and just fucking smile. Oh. Imagine going to an ATM and just going, what? Just, fi-, you know, I mean, 
I would love to, to, you know, I would love that. It would be great, but you, it can't be your, it cannot be your focus. I mean, for me, yeah. I think some people, that's their focus and they achieve it. And maybe that's what I'm doing wrong, but I think, you know, like Burr, or certain, like Patrice, or the people that I, you know, I just, you know, you, you forget of the work that Amy put in to get that. Yeah. Nobody fucking, people just think that, you know, she did a lot of work and a lot of fucking planning went into that career. You know, but you look at a guy like Colin. Why isn't Colin? Colin's fucking great. Colin fucking kills it. Colin is on another one-man show. You know? But I think it's our responsibility, too. I think it's the fans, but I also think it's ourselves. Yeah. It's my responsibility to help you if I can. It's my res- if, I get a, if I blow the fuck up yeah. and I can tour, I need to help, I need to help the, all the people I can. And I think comics do that. I, I really so. do. I think so. If you look at all these people, they, Amy puts everybody in her shit. Yeah. Maybe small, maybe big, but she helps. Louie, Rogan, Burr, the, the motherfucker, Kevin. Yeah. Not really Kevin, but Ke- <laughs> you know what Kevin I mean? could be a little more generous. Yeah, Kevin could put Keith in a couple more things. Yeah. You know okay. what I mean? He's got a, a, three movies a year. Yeah, stop fucking. He could really make it rain over at the cellar. <laughs> That fucking cocksucker. I've been waiting for that phone call. His, uh, I was in D.C. probably uh, maybe two months ago, yeah. three months ago. There's this guy in the front row, yeah. a smaller black guy. Yeah. And I made a joke, and I go, we got Kevin Hart up front. And the guy loses his fucking mind. Yeah. And I go, and someone goes, you're racist. Why? And I went, I went, I went he looks like Kevin Hart. And they're like, they're, they don't all look alike. Was it a and, white person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he just goes, uh, stands up, and he goes, I'm Kevin Hart's brother. And I went, are you fucking kidding me? He goes, nah, I'm his older brother. Yeah, what'd she say? shut. And I went, you sit down. I should work at a fucking fair. <laughs> like, I just said, you look like Kevin Hart. Turns out to be his fucking brother. And then hung out with me after the show. It was like, yeah, man, you were funny as shit. I haven't seen, I haven't seen comedy in the clubs in a little bit. How fucking, but, ugh, fucking, ugh, I would have spit in a drink. Oh, I, I started taking, I started recording all my sets and taking inter- exchanges like that and putting them at the front of my podcasts. What a fucking asshole. Stop fucking being the voice for racism, you oh. fucking asshole. I'm going to start a hashtag, bring back tough crowd. I want to, I, I want to, I want, I want to, I'm going to single-handedly bring, try to bring back tough crowd so that I can be on it. I'm telling you right now, dude, tough crowd, if it was on Comedy Central right now or Netflix it, with Colin Quinn as the host, there's nobody that could host it like him. No one. Yeah, I know. He mumbles through. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. That's the great part My about it. The favorite part about Colin when he'd host it is when he'd go through half a read and then bite his knuckle. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it would kill right now. I, I'm telling you. Tough crowd right now with this, the, the politically correct fucking how it's so out of hand. It would fucking annihilate. Because comics, we're right. Look at the roast battles. And I mean, the, that's tough crowd. Yeah. You oh, know? It would fucking destroy. Yeah. All right, I'm starting that. Bring back Tough Crowd. Do you have anything to pl- you want to plug? Um, yeah, just my tour. Go to robertkellylive.com. What date you got coming up? I'm going to put this out tomorrow. I got, f- I got fucking like 30 dates coming up. Really? Yeah. I got, uh, I, I got a big thing in New York. I'm starting this thing, which I, I want you to do. Um, not this one, but the next one. I want to I try to make it a show show Yeah. Um, called Creeps with Kids. And it's the other side of parenting. So it's that's it's, basically my hour special. So it's basically it's me, 
um, Bonnie McFarlane, Jim Florentine, Louis J. Gomez, and we do an hour of stand-up each on, you know, having kids and being parents. Yeah. And then we do a half-hour panel with Ron Bennington on parenting. So he is. He's he's my uh, he's the guy that like I talked to uh, Chris Stanley about doing a unmasked, and I'm like, and he's like, let us know when you're here. And in my head, I was like, hey. For the record, I'll fly myself out, put myself you up should do it. to do an unmasked with Ron. You should. He's the, he is, in my opinion, the best. Yeah, he's one of the funniest guys walking. One of the funniest guys. He's great. He's I'd un- love to fucking sit and smoke a cigar with him and do a podcast. He's unfucking believable He really is. He really is. And I'm so glad that I get to do, I've done shit with him. And I'm not even, like, I don't even have his number. Yeah. But I just, the you know, the... He's he. I, there was the first person I was like, we got to get Ron. It was, we were going to get like a real therapist, child. Th- but I was like, Ron fucking Bennington. So it's it's. I'm hoping to do a bunch of these. Um, I don't I'll know put where me on the next one. I'm th- yeah. down. I'm in a heart. There's so many guys with kids that we have this fucked up. You know, because there's the, you know, the uh, dude with khakis and my wife. You know, but then there's us. Yeah. You know what I mean? You see the guys on the road that are like, uh, yeah. so I'm a dad. Yeah. Oh, it's goofy. You're yeah. Carpooling. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fucking, exactly. So then there's there's us, which yeah. I think this show is going to be fucking crazy. Uh, dude, so, I would watch a documentary on it. Well, I'm doing a, this is the first one. I'm going to, right after this, I'm filming it. We're going to get it done. We're going to see what works, what doesn't work. And then the next one, uh, I already have a lineup and you'd fucking kill it. I'd love to. You'd kill it. You'd fucking kill it, especially you, dude. You up there shirtless, fucking. I did. I, I did the goddamn comedy jam out here. Louis was on it. Yeah. And uh, Louis walked in and saw me. I was in uh, assless chaps and a speedo, an American flag speedo, no shirt. And uh, and I go and I'm sitting in the back and I'm like, what the fuck jokes am I? I got to tell 15 minutes of jokes. Yeah. I'm dressed like this to sing my song, and Sarah goes. Aren't you a dad? Sarah Silverman. And I go, yeah. And she goes, you should just walk out and go. So I got two kids. Yeah. And she goes, and it'll fucking kill. Yeah. And I walked out and I was like, uh, I got two kids. And the place destroyed. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm a dad and I also wear assless chaps. Yeah. We did the goddamn comedy jam two weeks ago with Bill. <laughs> Bill is, Bill says to me before the show, he goes, let's go to the uh, Rainbow Room and get a, get a Jameson. So we have a Jameson, come back. I put on my costume. It's just a sock on my yeah. cock. We're doing Red Hot Chili Peppers. And Bill's in, in wig and mustache. And he's just standing at the top stairs of the rocks. He's just shaking his head, taking pictures of me. He goes, I'm just taking them to send them to you. I'm deleting them the second <laughs> I send them to you. It's fucking... Yeah, dude. It's, we have a lot of explaining to do. A lot. When our kids are fucking... When our kids are older, dude. That's why I look at Gail Bennington. Oh, I go, yeah. I saw Gail in Montreal. I run into her and I go... The next night, I'm like, I just got to find Gail just to shoot this shit with her. I just want to hear what my daughters are going to sound like. <laughs> yeah, we're fucked, dude. We're fucked. The shit we've done, uh, we're fucked. But, so the, August 30th, that show's at the Village Underground. It's going to sell out. It's already, it's already selling fucking crazy. So yeah. And then my tour, dude. My tour. And watch Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll Thursday night, man. Oh, Stop yeah. fucking around. Push the that's rehab who's on the show. <coughs> Talk about fucking funny. This this motherfucker. He you know he's from remember the nutty professor? Yeah. He was the fucking assistant. Really? Remember? I fuck yeah. I remember dude when I booked the show, I'm like Professor They were like they were like John Corbett, Dennis Leary. I go, yeah, but Dude, the fucking because I he was my favorite part of that fucking movie. Yeah, how what a lunatic! And then, but on the show, he's fucking dude. He's he's me and him 
in the show evolved our characters where they just started writing for us together because we were so fucking good in scenes. We would just fuck off, yeah. me and him, and it was... Dude, he's, it's, it's crazy working with this fucking idiot. That's the one thing I got to say about you, Bobby. Every project you've been in, you've always been with home run hitters. You've always been with, like, the top of our profession yeah. in every, like, Opie and Anthony, fucking tough crowd, yeah. uh, Louie, really? sex, drugs, and rock yeah. and roll. Dane, yeah. Dude, oh. fucking tour guy. Everything oh, you've yeah. ever done, you've always been with the the highest people. Yeah. And, I, so I, I, and I'm I've never, serious. I've never been the guy. <laughs> Just to bring it full circle. And that's why we eat. <laughs> and that's why we eat. And that's why we're fucking chubby. Oh. We're just trying to be the guy, Bert. We're just, just trying, trying to be to, the guy. We're trying to find our way to be the fucking oh. guy. But you know what? Fuck it, dude. I'm I'm look at me and you, I'm very I'm very I love your career, dude. I love it. I, From the day you went to New York to now, you're fucking killing it, dude. Oh man, I So fucking, that. you know, all we can do is just keep going. Because yeah. the one thing I know is that you're always trying to be better. You're never satisfied. But there's got to be a point where you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm fine. Everything's great. You know what I mean? Yeah, fucking fine. Dude, for me and you to have fucking families and pay our bills with the horse shit we do, it's fucking crazy. Crazy. When I get to heaven, God's going to look at me and go, I didn't give you that much to start with. I can't believe you did what you did. <laughs> yeah, I know, dude. If there's anybody that works hard. Yeah, he's like, oh. That's when you know... When you get something, people go, "Dude, you deserve it." It's like what? <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like everyone else knows, dude. You should have made it a long time ago. Yeah. We thought you were going to be big off a of torgasm. <laughs> yeah, fucking cocksuckers. <laughs> well, when I come to New York, I'm going to promote my special in October. I'd love to do your podcast. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Come on, yeah. absolutely, anytime. Definitely. All right, brother. I love you, Bobby. Love you too, babe. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.